Christmas time is right around the corner, and this is my favorite time of the year. I wanted to make you aware of one of the resources that you can get through the No Higher Calling shop, and that is Great Hymns for Growing Hearts, Christ the Savior is Born. This is a beautiful four-week Advent hymn study that teaches the story behind four beloved Christmas carols. While singing the carols together as a family, you'll learn more about the character of God through heart-probing questions, discussion prompts, family activities, and more. This is an Advent resource that you will want to add to your family lineup as you seek to prepare your hearts and homes for Christmas and keep Christ center in all that you do this holiday season. Find this resource at www.knowhighercalling.org. Ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Welcome back to the No Higher Calling podcast. On today's podcast episode, we are going to be talking about a phrase that captivated really my heart and thoughts a long time ago, like maybe two years ago, and has been on my list of things to tackle one day. Um, But the Lord has just worked out several circumstances in my own heart and life recently that this has come back to my mind. And so I've been revisiting this idea and just kind of studying something out from God's Word. And I felt like now is the time to get on the podcast and uh, just kind of ramble about and share with you uh, something that God is teaching me in my life. And uh, we'll just see where the Holy Spirit takes this episode. So we are going to talk about the vibrancy of Christ. Goodness, like I said, a couple years ago now, we were still living in America, attending the Temple Baptist Church. Clarence Sexton was our pastor. I do not remember what he was preaching on, what passage he was in, anything like that. I just remember him mentioning this statement, the vibrancy of Christ. And I don't even remember what he said about it, um, but I remember thinking that, that those words were so powerful, but also being a little bit like, what exactly does he mean by the vibrancy of Christ? And so I sketched it down on a little list of running ideas, things I wanted to study one day. Um, and so I have had that come back to my mind many, many times since. And recently I've just sat down and kind of studied this out. And so I want to share with you in this episode just some things that God is teaching me about the vibrancy of Christ in in my life and in our lives as believers. And just to hopefully just do kind of a devotional episode um, and encourage your heart on some things. You know, I love having this podcast, and I love that this podcast does not have any specific 
topic that confines me. Um, you know, while there are many things I'm passionate about, goodness, I love uh, homeschooling, I love homemaking, I love birth, I love ministry. I mean, there's just, I love books. There's endless things that I'm passionate about. But this podcast does not focus on any one thing in particular. When we started the podcast journey, I just said it was going to be the overflow of my life, whatever that was, whatever it looked like, whatever God was teaching me. Um, and so that has really made it fun and unique for me because as I share from the overflow, some days that's talking about kitchens, sometimes that's talking about organization, sometimes it's talking about homeschooling, sometimes it is talking about, uh, you know, really anything under the sun, the sky is my limit. Whatever I feel like talking about, uh, as I filter that through, Lord, is this what, what you want me to talk about? Um, I get to talk about. So it keeps it, a, you know, a variety in the podcast. And I've heard from a lot of women that they love that. Um, and, you know, I have women that follow the podcast that are in all seasons of life. I have um, some who I thought would be my target audience, which are young moms, wives, ministry people, uh, people that are like me. And then, you know, I have since having the podcast, goodness, like almost three years now, over 200,000 downloads. I realized that God has broadened that so much beyond uh, my limited scope and my dreams. I have all kinds of women listen, single women, married women with no children, uh, older women. Uh, my dad listens. So, you know, he's got his own separate category. <laughs> Not only is he a man, but he's also my dad. No, he's my number one fan other than Simeon. So I always love that he listens in. So hi, dad, as you're listening. Um, but all that to say, uh, you know, different topics interest different people depending on what seasons of life they're in. But I love putting these just devotional thought episodes in periodically um, because I really feel like they speak to just about everybody because it's not so much me as it is just God's word and what God is teaching me and what he is teaching me from his word, I hope can find application in your life wherever you are at in your walk with Christ. But let's just jump in and talk about what on earth do I mean when I say the vibrancy of Christ. So let's talk a little bit about what the word vibrant means. Let's define this. So vibrant means full of energy, life, and passion. And another word that it had there when it was talking about vibrant and vibrancy is pulsating. So a throbbing sensation, excitement. Um, you know, you, we think about pulse, we think about pulsating when we think about the human body. You know, when you're sedentary, your pulse is at one rate, but when you are out running a marathon, your pulse is going to be very different. It is going to be more of a throbbing sensation because of the excitement of the exercise upon the body. Well, as we take that context of, okay, this is what vibrant means, we are going to couple that with the vibrancy of Christ in the life of a believer. What is that? What should that look like? And what should be our response to the vibrancy of Christ? You know, in my Christian walk, in this sanctification journey, I've, we've used that term since uh, last year, studying through the book of Titus. I'm talking about this sanctification road, this path of life that we walk down. I have really come to understand that my relationship with Christ, while I am so thankful 
um, for my salvation, God doesn't want to just be our eternal lifeline that saves us from impending doom. Um, God wants to be more than that. Yes, he wants us to spend eternity in heaven with him. He does not want to be separated from us. He does not want us to go to hell. But he has so much more for us. The Christian life is not a box that is ticked when you accept Christ as your Savior. That is the beginning, friends. That is a beginning of an unending pursuit of Jesus Christ. And even your death is not the ending. That is not the close of this pursuit. Um, God did not create us eternal from our beginning. We all as humans had a beginning, a starting point. But he did create us eternal going towards the future. We have a soul that will live on. Our, our body will die, but our soul, that the person that we are on the inside, that lives forever. Um, and now if you do not accept him in salvation, then you will have to reap the judgment for your sin. And that is an eternity spent in hell. But God does not want that. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and spend eternity in heaven with him. Uh, but heaven is not the end of that chapter. You know, it is hard for our brains to understand the concept of no end, of eternity, of always, forever, time continuing to go uh, because we are we are confined by time our earth is confined by time mankind is is confined by the boundaries of time but god exists outside of time and while i don't fully understand that and i'm not even going to try to get into the science of explaining that to you because that is a realm that i am not qualified for and honestly i don't think the greatest scientist on earth is qualified for that is something that god and god alone understands but I believe, I have faith, I have the hope that his word is true and I will live forever. And so from my salvation to the rest of my life, I, it is an unending pursuit. I will be continuously learning more and more and more and more about my Savior. And my response to that is that I have no choice but to love Him more and worship Him more. And I desire to yield more of my life to Him. This uh, this continuous pursuit of him. So the the realization that that relationship with Christ it is a relationship. You know, being here in Australia, um it's been very interesting. Australia as a whole um is becoming more of a post-Christian society. There was a an influence of Christianity here. And don't get me wrong, there are some wonderful churches. There are some wonderful people that are doing a great work for the Lord here. But as a whole, the nation um, really is kind of in that path that if you you know much about England or the United Kingdom, that they are walking down. Um, they are a first world country. They are a prosperous country. And sometimes when you have that, uh, you almost feel like you don't have a need for a God because mankind is self-sufficient. Whereas in some of the third world places, they, they, you know, they lack even the basic needs of life, food, shelter, water. Um, so there tends to be a, a greater feel of a, a void. Um, whereas in a place like this, that void 
is easily filled with comforts, with entertainment. Now, none of that is going to truly fill that void. There is a void that only Jesus Christ fills. Um, But it is a little more easy, I guess, in places like this to kind of band-aid that and overlook that. Uh, so, So we combat that in ministry. You know, you have to have someone realize that they are lost in need of a Savior before they're going to trust Christ as their Savior. So there is um, just kind of a, not a a militant atheist or agnostic vibe here, um, but there just is a very much like, no, thank you. I don't need that in my life um, among the Australian population. But um, Australia is a huge hub for immigration, especially we're in Sydney, which is a port city. Um, Pretty much if people come to Australia, like this is one of the top of the very, you know, maybe on one handful cities that they would come to if Sydney is not the top city, um, just because of access. And because of the position that we are on the globe, so much of, of Asia, of, of, uh, Southeast Asia of, you know, just really people, I guess, all across Asia are coming into Australia. And as they come into Australia, they bring a lot of religion with them. So, you know, for the first time, really on a large scale, we are seeing Hindus and Buddhists and and these are practicing religions. Whereas I felt like in the States, you know, maybe you kind of like associated because of heritage or something like that, but it wasn't so much practicing. For example, um, the other day we were in downtown Parramatta, which is where we have our church plant. And, um, so we actually rent a space out of the library building there. So we were outside of library building. Actually, I think we were leaving church. Um, and you know, it's city life. So, you know, you have to park, on the street, several streets away. So we have, you know, all of our kids, all of our stuff from church. We have a wagon, then we pull it in. We're making our little Brazzle parade to get back to our car. And we passed this tent that was playing um, this music. And you could tell it was Eastern-inspired music. And as we come around to the front of the tent and can look back in the tent, we see this huge, um, like, elephant Indian god thing, idol, set up under this tent and... Basically, the people there were allowing you to experience kind of a uh, a Hindu education. They were educating you on who this god was. You could take your shoes off. You could get flowers. You could go pay homage to the idol, which was something that I had never experienced in that way before. So because of that, you know, okay, where I've rabbit trailed. All of that to say, um, there are a lot of different religions in this world. But I think one of the beautiful things about Christianity um, that so sets it apart, and, and really, I mean, you can't even, I don't feel like you can put a relationship with Jesus Christ on any plane with any other relation or with any other religion just because that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, he is the one and only. But uh, for terms of the you know the world and culture and all of that, Christianity is lumped in as a religion. But Christianity is more than a religion. It is a relationship. Um, I've been reading through the Psalms recently. I can't remember what Psalm it is. I'll try to tag it down in the uh, show notes. But I read this to my children because we had just seen that idol. We've been talking about some of this stuff in our home. Um, But there was a passage in Psalms where it's talking about idols. But then it's contrasting that to our God, to 
our Savior that we worship. And it's saying, hey, these idols, they have ears they cannot hear. They have mouths they cannot speak. They have eyes they cannot see. They cannot even make themselves. Man has to make them with their own hands. But our God, He has ears that hear. He has eyes that see. He has a mouth that speaks. He works in our lives. We've been going through this Psalm 23 study. He is our ever-present shepherd. Christianity, this, this relationship with Jesus Christ is not just a religion. It is a relationship. It is real. It is real. And while God wants to save our souls from hell and give us eternal security, it's not like he just does that and then disappears and has no working in our life. No, he wants to be our Abba Father. He wants to be our shepherd. He wants to be our provider. He gives us the Holy Spirit to be our enabler, to give us the power that we need to have victory over sin. He wants to walk with us hand in hand. And as as I see what he wants to be in my life, as I read his word and get a glimpse of that, I start realizing the potential that this relationship has. As I see the vibrancy of Christ, he is full of energy and life and passion. I get full of energy and life and passion, not about my own personal pursuits, not about uh, selfish things or things of this world, but about Him, about Him. The Bible says, delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires the desires of your heart. And I think this is often quoted out of context. Uh, we kind of claim this like, okay, well, if I want a new car, I just got to delight in the Lord and He's going to give me the desire of my heart. I'm going to get a car. That is not at all what that verse is meaning. That verse is meaning that as you delight in the vibrancy of Christ, this pulsating living richness that is within you, your desires become his desires because he is changing you. He is transforming you. You know, we we talk with kids about that transition from ugly caterpillar to beautiful butterfly. Like that should be happening in the life of every believer. And as that transformation is happening, who he is, his beauty is the beauty that the butterfly takes on. The butterfly does not become beautiful because, you know, it was an especially attractive caterpillar. Uh, No, the butterfly becomes beautiful because of the beauty that the creator endowed upon it. And that is the same thing in our lives. Anything that is good or beautiful or lovely or excellent that shines from my life is because of the vibrancy of Christ, because of his beauty, his goodness, his excellence that is so sweetly, richly, and undeservingly given to me. And he does the same thing for you. He wants to do the same thing for you. He wants to be vibrant in your life and your heart. He wants to be uh, your heartthrob, you know, if we're just going with this pulsating. And I I don't mean that in a shallow, um, I don't mean that in a shallow, irreverent way. I really mean that as he wants to be the very heartbeat of your life. He wants every beat of your heart, every thought of your mind, 
every action of your life to be infused with him, to be captivated by him. I will link down in the show notes an episode I did a long, 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 long time ago when we started the podcast on being infused with Christ. So much of that couples with the idea of this vibrancy of Christ. Um, but I in in First Chronicles 29, 11, it says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Ladies, I challenge you. Get to know your God. Learn his attributes. Claim his promises. Read your Bible and look for every time that it says something that God is. And just let that captivate your heart and your mind. Let that just lead you into a deeper love and an intimate relationship with him. You know, all of our actions stem from our view of God. Again, our pastor Sexton in the state said that. All actions stem from our view of God. If your life, if your heart and mind are just infatuated with the vibrancy of Christ, your actions will be different than if you just view him as your eternal security. And like I said, I'm I'm not at all trying to diminish the importance and the huge thing that getting salvation is in the life of a believer. Um, but there, there's so much more. God says, I don't come just that you might have life. He's given us life and salvation, but he has come that we might have life abundant. He's given us the life. He's given us the eternal life, but he goes beyond that. He wants us to have this life abundant. And I am truly coming to believe as I've been studying this out and just walking my own sanctification road, that to live that abundant life, Christ must be vibrant in my heart, that my view of him must be high, holy, exalted, and lifted up. And it is out of that view of God that my actions will stem. Make Christ so big in your heart and in your mind that it crowds out lesser things. Now that's a powerful statement. And and I think on surface value, we all think, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I want things that are excellent. I want Christ on the throne of my heart. I want him on the throne of my mind. Um, our, our Again, our pastor, Pastor Sexton, um, he was known for his quotes and he said things over and over and over so that they literally became a part of the fabric of who you are. Uh, a part of him will always be with me because it's just, it's so ingrained into my mind. But he always says that the high road is not choosing between the good and the bad, but it is choosing between the good and the best. And that's where this starts getting a little hairy. So make Christ so big in your heart and your mind that it crowds out lesser things. I think sometimes as Christians, especially if you've walked a little bit of the sanctification road, uh, and the more that I'm a mother, the more I feel like I'm able to say, okay, this is good, this is bad, this is yes, this is no, this we can participate or watch or indulge in or enjoy, this we're going to stay very far from. Um, And sometimes it's easier to do that in the life of someone else than it is to do in your own life. But often we see the good and the bad. We can see the black and the white. But it's when we're looking between the gray and the white, where it's like, okay, well, what is good and then what is best? And that's really the practical application here in this vibrancy of Christ is let him shine so bright 
that he approves those things that are excellent as it talks about in Philippians. I have a whole episode that I want to do on that phrase, talking about approving things that are excellent. But that has really been a refining work that God has been doing in in Simeon and I's hearts, in our marriage, and in our family over the past few years is this, this purifying you know, at Job, it talks about Job twenty three ten. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You know, gold has value, um, but it also has impurities. But as you put it through the refiner's fire, it removes the dross, and the gold that then comes out purified by that fire is so rich and is so pure. And in a lot of ways, I feel like, um, just like I said, individually in our marriage and in our family, we have been walking through the refiner's fire. And God has been removing things that that aren't bad things. And you know what? It might be something that God has chosen to remove from our life that he may not choose to remove from yours. Maybe we have a greater issue with something um, than than you do. Um, But it has been a process of us learning what is good but what is best and choosing the best. And this doesn't mean that you have to live, you know, a, a, a boring life with no fun. I think sometimes when we think about this, like, oh, okay, well, the best would be to read my Bible 24-7 um, and never go on vacation, just always be doing ministry. Actually, I, I don't I don't think that. Jesus shows us many times where he separated, he rested, he relaxed. He enjoyed food with his disciples. Um, the God does not call us to a life of of religious, like, you know, monkhood and nunnery. No, again, God promises this life abundant. This is a wonderful life. This is a rich, a full, a satisfying life. So satisfying that it it, it satisfies in a way that the pleasures and the temptations and the things of this world that promise satisfaction. And you know what? For a time, many of those things bring satisfaction, but it is not lasting. But the satisfaction that God provides is lasting. It goes on forever. It is eternal eternal. And so as we, as we look at this, as we think about this, um, that, that really is the emphasis that I am trying to make here is choosing those things that are best so that we can live the life that God created us for, that we can live the life that God desires for us. Um, because yeah, it's not always going to be jiving with our sin nature, but do you know what? I, I don't know that there's ever been a time where I have indulged my sin nature and really felt satisfied for any length of time. Again, like I said, sin brings its pleasure in the moment, but the guilt and the consequences and the things that come on the tail end of that, the heels of that really are so opposite of anything. But I have always found sufficiency in Christ. I have always found more than enough. Uh, we've been talking in Psalm 23. We just looked at that phrase recently, my cup runneth over. Um, just joy upon joy, grace upon grace, beauty upon beauty, because he is immeasurable, because he is inexhaustible, he can continue to pour out these good and perfect gifts upon our life. And that comes through through living in this vibrancy of Christ, through making him so big in our lives. 
Psalm 8, I love this passage and just thinking about how magnificent the Lord is, how big he really is. Psalm 8 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth." You know, it's so interesting to me. This this passage comes up so often in my mind um, as we have just really sought to have a family culture that is immersed in God's creation. Um, I think often about this verse when David asked the question, what is man that thou art mindful of him? You know, we've got, oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. We know how magnificent he is. But then it goes to say these things that God has has done and given to man. And why? David says, what is man that you even think on us, much less bestow all of these good gifts to us? We uh, were camping here a while back as a family. And the sky here in Australia, I've said it before on the podcast. I still, I'm just so enamored with it. I can't get over it. The sky here in Australia is just amazing. I don't know why it's different than when we lived in East Tennessee. I don't know if it's a Southern Hemisphere thing. I don't know if it's a pollution thing. I don't know what it is. But I have never seen bluer skies. I have never seen prettier sunsets. Um, And when we were camping, I have never seen brighter, more vivid, vibrant stars. And and I thought of that. I thought, what is man that thou art mindful of him? When I look up in the heavens, I think, who am I, God, that you care about me so much? Uh, Our campsite was just like a two-minute walk from the beach. It was literally like forest and then beach right beside it. And we were right on that line. So we were able to walk over in the mornings and see the beach and just the the crash of the waves, the roar of the ocean, um, and all of the ecosystems that that contains. You know, I have some very sciencey kids, so we loved looking for crabs and looking in the tide pools and seeing the shells and talking about all of those things. But again, as I look at the magnificence of the ocean, I think, what is man that thou art mindful of him? But he is mindful of us. And that's something we're, again, never going to be able to comprehend because we do not have the heart of God. Um, But he loves us and he desires to have his vibrancy pulsate through our very being. And as we wrap this up here, I just took a few notes. Of, I asked the question, what does an understanding of the vibrancy of Christ do in the life of a Christian? So we've laid this foundation. I hope that I have done well in conveying the greatness of our God, uh, how much he deserves to be vibrant in our life, and how much he desires to be vibrant in our life. Why this is so important. Why we need to yield everything to him. You know, Jim Elliott, famous missionary martyr, said, Oh, the fullness, pleasure, sheer excitement of knowing God on earth. I, I hope that I have conveyed uh, what Jim Elliott was trying to convey there. 
But in in summary of all of that, so personal application, I, I like personal application. Let's take it, let's boil it down. What should it mean for me? What does the understanding of the vibrancy of Christ do in the life of the Christian? It should lead us to surrender. It should lead us to surrender everything, our life, our being, our marriages, our families, our children, our finances, our future, our ministry, everything. It should lead us to surrender them to the one who is worthy. It should urge us to obey. You know, I don't obey him um, because he's a, a, a taskmaster that, uh, you know, forces slaves into submission. No, I obey him because he is vibrant in my life. And you know what? The more vibrant he is in my life, the more I desire to obey him because the more vibrant he is, the more I come to know of who he is. And the more I come to know who he is, the more I see that in contrast with who I really am and the more grateful and the more, um, just thankful I am that he loves me in spite of me because of who he is, because he is love. And that leads me to the next one. It should grow us in our love. Our love for Christ should always be growing, always be deepening as we come to know more of who he is. You know, in in my marriage, in my relationship with Simeon, I thought I knew him 12 years ago. You know, I thought I knew him 10 years ago, five years ago, yesterday. Uh, But the unique aspect of marriage is as you live your life out day by day with somebody, uh, you tend to learn new things. You know, sometimes you hear the same stories over and over and over, but every now and then like a different story pops out. We've been talking about our childhood uh, memories and different things with our kids recently. And some stories have come out that I hadn't heard before. And, um, and I love that. It gives me a little bit more of the piece of the puzzle of Simeon Brazel. Um, but the reality is too, as, as people, um, but especially as Christians, we don't live stagnant lives. Um, we should always be growing, be learning, um, be becoming the, you know, like we talked about that caterpillar butterfly. We're in that transition process here. Um, we should be coming more like Christ. And that adds a dimension that as I continue to live out this marriage journey with him, um, I, I see God doing things in his life. He's sharing with me new things, fresh things, and it grows my love for him. Well, even more so, uh, should it do that with God? Because God is the perfect one. You know, if we can grow in love for our unperfect husbands and they can do it for their imperfect wives, um, then we can definitely do it for our perfect savior who is just so rich and so full of goodness and love. And it enables us also to count the cost. You know, there is a cost to following Christ. Um, And many of us aren't going to face anything horrific. Um, You know, we, we personally know someone who has been martyred for their faith and uh, actually, just the other night, Simeon and I were talking about his legacy and his testimony and uh, messages that he preached of how he never knew that that was the way that God was going to end his life here. But he counted the cost. He knew that it was a possibility because of the place in the world that he was serving. And his only reply 
to all the questions of danger or why are you doing this or all of us, just say he is worthy. God asked him to do a task and God was worthy of him doing the task, whatever the cost was, because Christ was so vibrant in the life of this man. It enabled him to count the cost. And when he counted the cost, he came out saying he is worthy. The lamb that is slain was worthy. Another thing is it focuses our thoughts and efforts on things that are eternal. We talked about this, not the good and the bad, but the good and the best. What will last for eternity? You know, we only have so much time. And I think uh, if, if you're a mother, especially if you're in the season I am where you're a mother of littles, you are very aware that time is limited and you don't feel like you ever have enough of it. Um, but the reality is, is it's like that for all of us. We only have so much time. You know, the sands of time are ever moving through that hourglass. Um, I want my life to count for Jesus. I want the things that I invest that time in to be on things that are eternal that I won't waste and squander that time. And having the vibrancy of Christ alive in my heart helps me focus that energy of my time on things that are eternal. And then the last one is it just challenges us to move forward. So be always moving forward. Again, we talked about that at the very beginning. A Christian is never to be moving backwards, always forward. Um, and the, the having... The vibrancy of Christ, such a reality in our hearts, keeps us moving forward because we want to become more like Him. David Livingston, famous missionary to Africa, said, I will go anywhere provided it is forward. May that be the prayer of our heart. May that be the statement that categorizes and describes our lives. We'll go anywhere as long as it's forward, Lord. So this is just something that the Lord has just really been just dealing with my heart about. And I've really had to ask some heart probing questions of myself. How vibrant is Christ in my heart? What place does he have? How am I when it comes to surrender and obedience and my love? Have I counted the cost? Am I willing to think those thoughts? Those can be unpleasant sometimes. Am I willing to choose between the good and the best? To focus my thoughts and efforts on things eternal? And am I challenged to be ever moving forward? Am I not satisfied to be stagnant and complacent? but to be always advancing in, in my love for the Lord, in my uh, time spent with Him, in my time spent getting to know Him more. So I pray that this episode will challenge you to make much of Christ in your heart and life, that He will be vibrant uh, in each of our hearts as we seek to love the one who is so worthy and to serve Him well. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.